0: I don't know uh, how much you notice in the spirit realm, but when Jesus is in the house, there's a different anointing. This morning, we were at one place, and there was the presence of God. Then I became aware that Jesus had been in the house, and it was a different anointing. It was like a, a, a sharper anointing. I just, something changed in the atmosphere. I thought, yeah, Jesus is in the house. It's a different anointing. And I felt that, and I said, Lord, what do you want to do in this house today? Because I like just to check I've got the right word, although I felt that. What do you want to do in this house today? He said, Call disciples. Call disciples. So he wants to call disciples today. Doesn't matter how long you've been saved. Then, as soon as we started to sing Majesty, I felt him say to me, Brian, come follow me. Be my disciple. Be one of my missionaries. I will teach you how to go fishing for men. I've been saved 40 years. I've been a disciple up to a measure. But God's always doing something fresh, something new. And sometimes God's new thing is something we've already done, but it's in a different measure. But it's fresh. So he's in that place where today he wants to call disciples and i said last week i was speaking about jesus being in the house that's in the house of our hearts our homes in this church jesus is in the house and he wants to reveal his presence to us but we need to meet his conditions and his condition is very very simple we need to keep his word we need to keep and obey the word of god we can't separate jesus from his word so if we will keep His Word, He will manifest His presence to us. Isn't that good? It is so simple. It doesn't make it complicated. You see, it's absolute nonsense to think we can live the Christian life without obeying the Word of God. It's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. And Jesus says, And if you really love me, you'll keep my commandments. So if we really love Jesus, we'll keep His commandments. It's no good saying we love Jesus if we don't keep his word. We don't really love him. We're just speaking out words. Because that's what Jesus says in his word, and his word is true. Very simple, isn't it? There's no wriggle room. <laughs> Sometimes we'd like there to be some wriggle room. You know, some brackets after it or something. Saying, "Well, say, What this really means is this. No, that's what it means. So today, I want to be speaking on what would Jesus do? So John, go for it. This is good. My anointed assistant up here. you probably saw these kind of bracelet things I had around the wrist years ago. Well, we've got something. Look at that. WWJD. What would Jesus do? That's what it means. Okay. I just want to read out some scriptures from the Bible. Matthew chapter 4 verse 19 says this. These are the words of Jesus. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. after that, missionaries. I'll explain that in a minute. In Matthew 4 19, in the expanded Bible, it says, Come follow me, be my disciples, even more explicit, and I will make you and teach you how to fish for people. Missionaries. Matthew 28 verses 18 through to 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority, that means all authority. And that means the devil's got no authority. Did you know that? Deceiver and accuser of the brethren. All authority has been given to me, and that is Jesus in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, that call that we're reading about in the Bible That is still the same call to us today. Jesus says to each one of us, come follow me and be my disciple and I will teach you how to fish for men. In other words, I will teach you how to become a missionary. Now, you could just put that all under the word disciple, but I think if we split that into two halves and we've got disciples and missionaries, it makes it even more clear for us. So Jesus is calling us all today to be his disciples. Now, I don't know how you were brought into the kingdom of God or how much you understood before you were saved, but no matter, even no matter how good a disciple you feel you are today, Jesus is still freshly calling you today to be his disciple and to follow him. See, disciple means to be a learner and follower of a particular teacher. So a Christian disciple is a learner and a follower of Jesus Christ. Simple, isn't it? That's what I love about this. There's nothing complicated. Very, very simple. And a mission is just a special assignment given to a group of person. That's what a mission is. A special assignment given to a group of a person. So for Christian missionaries, it's a person sent on a mission by Jesus Christ to advance the kingdom of God and seek and save the lost. We are all called to be disciples and missionaries. There's no room, none. All of us are called to be disciples and missionaries. Isn't that good? Well, could you please smile and say yes? yes. Say, I'm really glad you said that, Brian. Really glad you said that. I'm really glad you've nailed it down for me. <laughs> You see, I believe within us, within every Christian, there's a cry for a greater reality. It's within us. And the reason we get dissatisfied sometimes when we backslide and we just fall away from God is, is because we don't live in that reality. See, if we want to have a greater reality, then we need to really become disciples and missionaries and follow in the footsteps of Jesus. That's what we all need to do. That's where our greater reality lies. That's where excitement is. That's where fulfillment is. That's where the action is in the front line. I want to be where the action is, don't you? Otherwise, I'd backslide. So we're all called to be disciples and missionaries. So what does that mean for us today? Well, it's to do with our attitude towards our actions our attitudes, our words, and our actions. And we need to look to Jesus as our example in following his footsteps. That's what we're called to do. Christ is the great anointed one. We're the little anointed ones. That's what Christ means, anointed one. Christians, we're the little anointed ones, okay? Jesus is the big anointed one. We're the little anointed ones. But praise God, we're anointed. And we're anointed with the same Spirit that was upon Jesus Christ. But he had the Spirit without measure, We've only got to measure the Holy Spirit so it maybe takes more of us, but we can do it because we have an anointing and we can follow in his footsteps. Praise God. And what we need to be doing is to continually ask this question when we're confronted with people in situations, what would Jesus do? Or what would Jesus say? Or how would Jesus think? We need to be asking the questions till it becomes a lifestyle for us. What would Jesus do in this situation? That's what I need to do. Simple, isn't it? Good, I'm glad you agree with me. So to find out what did Jesus do, I mean, what what would Jesus do in our situation, we need to just look in the Gospels and see what did Jesus do. It's very simple. I've put down and reading through the Gospels, I've put down 13 things that Jesus did. Okay? For the stupid superstitious amongst us, we'll pray for you at the end, okay? And we'll turn 13 into your lucky number. Okay? For those who are not superstitious, just feel lucky. Okay? So I've got 13 things. So I don't care if you go home and say, Brian's spoken 13 things Jesus didn't. <laughs> the first thing is this. Jesus knew he was loved and accepted by the Father as his Son. That was his starting point. Matthew three seventeen, And <clears throat> suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And in John seventeen twenty six, Jesus says this, And I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. Remember, at the baptism of Jesus, the heavens opened. And Father said, this is my beloved Son. With him I am well pleased. Brothers and sisters, do you know in here that you're loved and accepted by Father God? Now, I don't mean up here. Do you know in here you're loved and accepted by Father God? And are you very clear in here in your identity as his son and daughter? Are you clear about that? Are you clear about that? Because if you're not clear about that, you'll get involved in ministry trying to find love and acceptance instead of ministry out your love and acceptance. You'll be driven to perform. You'll do people harm. We've got to know our identity and to know that Father loves us and accepts us in here. Then we can minister out of that and will be a blessing. Jesus knew he was loved by Father God and he knew he was God's son. We need to know the same. Jesus revealed the Father, John fourteen nine. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, yet you've not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. And in John seventeen twenty five, Father, you're the one who always does what is right. The world does not know you, but I know you. And these followers of mine know that you sent me. I showed them what you are like, and I will show them again. Then they will have the same love that you have for me, and I will live in them. Jesus came not just to die on the cross. Jesus came to reveal the Father. We have the same challenge and responsibility today. We need to reveal Father God to this world. It's not just a matter of being saved. People don't just get saved when they come to Jesus. They also get reconciled to the Father. See, salvation's not the full gospel. They get saved, they're born again, but they're also reconciled to Father God. God then becomes the heavenly Father. And we have a responsibility to reveal the heavenly Father, our Father in heaven. This world needs to know that God is a loving Father. He's not a big bad policeman and judge in the sky just waiting to bop them over the head when they get it wrong. They've had enough of religion. Religion puts people off. Actually, church puts a lot of people off. But we need to introduce them to Jesus and to the Father. Jesus came to reveal the Father. Not just to save people, but to reconcile them to Father God. That's also what we need to do. Jesus loved and obeyed the Father. John 5, 19, so Jesus explained... I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He only does what He sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And in John 12:49, 49, He says, I don't speak in my own authority. The Father who has sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know His commands lead to eternal life, so I say whatever the Father tells me to say. That's where we need to live, isn't it? That comes out of a relationship with Father. Jesus spent time with the Father. He was looking to see what Father was doing, and he was listening for Father's voice to see what Father was saying. Not just what he was saying, but how to say it. I don't know about you, but many of the times I've said the right thing, but I've said it in the wrong way. <laughs> what I meant for good, instead of blessing someone's actually upset them. Because I said it the wrong way. Anyone else? <laughs> See, we need wisdom how to say things, not just what to say. And we need to be those that live in that relationship with Father because all true ministries should come out of that place of intimacy. Everything comes out of intimacy with God. Jesus, his whole ministry and confidence in all that he did came out of that place of intimacy. Otherwise, we become professionals. And we're not many be professionals, we're anointed amateurs. We depend upon someone else. So we need to stay close to the Father and hear and obey his voice. Jesus was a man of prayer. Now in the morning, having risen a long time before daylight, Jesus went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. Luke five sixteen says this So Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. In Luke eighteen, Jesus said, then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Then I've got lots of other scriptures about Jesus praying down here because I'm going to pick that up next week. To Jesus, prayer was his very life breath. And so it needs to become for us, brothers and sisters. When you look through the gospels at the life of Jesus, there's no doubt he was a man of prayer. Now this is the very son of God himself, the one who had all authority and all power, yet he was a man of prayer. So if he needs to pray, how much more do we need to pray? And I can't go too much into that this week because I want to pick it up next week. But we've got to get beyond the thing where prayer is something that's boring, but it's exciting, and there's joy in the house of prayer. I enjoy praying because I encounter God. I have encounters in my prayer closet. I come out buzzing, and I can't wait to give away what I've received in the prayer closet. That's what Jesus did. He came out of his prayer closet, healed the sick, set the captives free, and he was a blessing wherever he went. But he went into the prayer closet first of all. And God wants us to become a house of prayer. Part of falling in the footsteps of Jesus. We have this this morning. Jesus came as a servant king. John 13:14 says this. If I, then, your Lord and Teacher, have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example: that you should do as I have done to you. Mark ten forty-five. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. I think we need more servants in the church. It's an issue of heart. See, Jesus was prepared to be inconvenienced in his life. And Jesus put himself down so he could serve others. He didn't come to lord it over people. We are not here to lord it over people. We are here to serve. We are here to underneath and to try and meet people's needs. And it's interesting what Alison did this morning with Christina. Because... I was going to get you just for two minutes. In fact, I will get you to do this for two minutes. For two minutes, go and speak to someone you don't know, and ask them a question: "Is there anything I can do to help you today?" You see, we very break ground. You see, what's happened to the church? We become consumers. Consumerism's in the church. We come here on the Sunday morning and it's gimme, 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 gimme. My name's Jimmy, gimme, gimme, gimme. That's what's happened. That's what we're like because that's what it's like out there, you see. We've become consumers. We consume this Sunday, we walk out, and then we're waiting for next Sunday or whatever and we need to stop being consumers. We need to become servers, brothers and sisters. Jesus came as a servant king. And that means death to self sometimes. That means actually being inconvenienced. We were inconvenienced this morning. That's the way, that's the way life is, but we serve Jesus. So you've got two minutes, talk to someone you don't know, say, is there anything I can do to serve you today? Two minutes. I'm watching the clock. Someone you don't know. One minute, 30 seconds left. One minute left. 30 seconds. 15 seconds. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. One, okay, back to your seats, please. We need to become servants. That means sometimes being inconvenienced for the sake of others, okay? Next thing Jesus did was taught about the kingdom of God. Mark 1, 14, 15. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee... Preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Luke 4:43. But Jesus said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. See, Jesus came to save. He came to reveal the Father. He also came to preach the kingdom of God. And you have only going to read through the gospels to see all that Jesus said about the kingdom of God. So are we. We are called to preach the kingdom. People need to know there's another kingdom, there's another way of living, and another way of doing things, because this world stood on its head. We need to put this world the right way up and bring them into the kingdom. Bring them out of the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of light. And introduce them to the king of the kingdom, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Part of our calling is disciples, teach them the kingdom. Preach the kingdom. Demonstrate the kingdom through healing the sick and setting the captives free. That advances the kingdom. Walking in love advances the kingdom. Jesus taught a lot about the kingdom. Read through the Gospels yourselves. Did you know, you should know by now, did you know that every Sunday the word goes online, you also got all the notes from a Sunday morning. Did you know that? Did you know that? No? No? Well, it's on the website by every Monday. Sunday's Word is on there. You've not only got the Word, you've got all the notes. So you can download them all, okay? So you can go over them through the week. So when you leave here today, please don't start thinking about next week's message. Please think about what God is doing today. Seriously. Otherwise, I'll preach again next Sunday. I will. I will. Oh, on the Sunday after that. And the Sunday after that. You see, we've got to, it's, it's the way that we think about church is we come along on Sunday, we hear the word, we go away, we do things during the week, we come back next Sunday, we hear a different word. No, no, we've got to take hold of what God's saying and apply it to our lives. James says the doers of the word are blessed, not hearers only. If we just hear it, we're deceiving ourselves. We've got to be doers of the word, haven't we? Well, let me ask a question. Does anyone here want to be blessed? We'll be a doer of the word, simply. It's not complicated, is it? That's real love about this stuff. No wriggle room. I love it. Oh, it wasn't good, Rachel. Still. Anyway, Jesus loved righteousness and hated wickedness and sin. Hebrews 1 8 Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. 1 John 3, 8. When people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil who's been sinning since the beginning, but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Who could do with a bit more joy in their lives? Well, let's love righteousness. Let's hate wickedness and sin. Jesus of the oil of gladness above his fellows. That same oil is available to us, brothers and sisters, if we will love righteousness and hate wickedness and sin. And that should start in our own lives. That should start in our own lives. We're not going around judging other people and hating the wickedness in other people's lives. No, no, no. Look, I've got enough in my life to keep me busy. I've got no time to judge what other people are doing. I keep myself busy. <laughs> And we want the early gladness, don't we? There needs to be more joy in the church and joy. And it needs to show in our faces. Don't you come to me and say, The joy of the Lord is my heart. Man, so many people say that. Well, the joy of the Lord is my heart. Well, let it show in your face. I mean, if it doesn't come in your face, I don't think it's in your heart. Seriously. <laughs> and this... When people keep on sinning, it shows they belong to the devil who's been sinning since the beginning. You see, if we are really Christians, and we are really hearing and obeying the word of God, we shouldn't be continually sinning. Doesn't mean to say we don't sin. There's a difference between occasionally sinning and continually sinning. There's a difference. And we shouldn't be those that are continually sinning, continually doing the same wrong thing. We should be dealing with it or trying our best to deal with it. We might get up, fall down, get up, fall down, get up, fall down. See, for me, sometimes I can get, when God convicts me of something, sometimes I can get the victory straight away and I've cracked it. Other times, I get up, fall down, get up, fall down, get up, fall down, get up, fall down, eventually I get up but the end result will be the same. I'm going to have victory over that thing that's been annoying me. And that's how we need to be. If we're continually sinning in an area and we're not honestly in our heart trying to deal with it, I've got to question if we're saved. <laughs> it's a bit sharp, isn't it? Simple, though, isn't it? Easy to understand. You see, there's got to be some fruit in our lives. If we're the genuine article, there needs to be some real fruit. Because the disciple of Jesus bore fruit. I'll probably put some of you off from being a disciple already. Good. As long as you're thinking about it, I don't care. But we've got to move to another level. There's a town and a nation at stake. Jesus was often misunderstood and suffered persecution. I'll pass that one by. I want to hear it. Oh, okay, good, okay. I'll, I'll, well, I'll go through it then. Fine. I was going to miss that out for you. Jesus was often misunderstood and suffered persecution. 1 Peter two twenty one, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. Better say that a bit again. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his cause in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. 1 Peter 4 Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange was happening to you instead. Be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ and his suffering. So, you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. So, be happy when you're insulted for being a Christian, for then the glorious the Spirit of God rests upon you. Oh, joy! Oh, joy! Bring on the trials. Oh, joy! We don't pray like that, do we? Do we? But sometimes we do suffer for Christ. There's a difference between suffering and sickness. Jesus suffered, he was never sick. I'm not talking about sickness here, I'm talking about suffering. I'm talking about being insulted. People saying all oh, manner of evil things against you. I'm talking about being misunderstood because you're a Christian. All that kind of stuff. Well, rejoice because the Spirit of Glory is upon you. You're suffering for Jesus Christ's sake. That kind of suffering is okay. So it's okay to suffer for Jesus. Okay? Don't be surprised if you're misunderstood. People don't always see eye to eye with you. Like Smith Wigglesworth used to say, when I meet people, I either leave them glad or mad. They're never indifferent. Well, my job this morning is either to meet you glad or mad. I don't want anyone leaving this place feeling indifferent because God won't let me off the hook. You understand that? You understand that? God is not allowing me any wriggle room up here today. I've got no wriggle room here today. I've rather got to make you mad or glad. Okay? Jesus denied himself and took up his cross. Dear God, it gets worse. God, I get worse. Oh. Dear God. Oh. Matthew 14, 36. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Philippians 2.6 Who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on the cross. All that I'm doing this morning brothers and sisters is reading from the Bible. That's all I'm doing. I'm just reading verses from the Bible, so if you've got a problem, your problem's with God, not with me. You understand that, so just pass me by. Okay? Take it up with him. I'm just reading from the Bible. Is that okay? Jesus denied himself and humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. Self-denial is a bit of a dirty word, is it? See, there should be self-denial in our lives. The Bible talks about even some Christians are enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. We should be friends of the cross. We should embrace and embrace the cross. We should be embracing that death to the self life living for Jesus. Because Jesus says when we lose our life for His sake in the gospel, we find it. You want to find your life? You want to find, you know, the very purpose for why God made you? Then lose your life for His sake. And you'll find it. You'll find abundant life. You see, everything that we have as Christians is in Christ. There's no life, there's no real life outside of Christ. Our life is in Christ. That's where it is. So there's got to be self-denial. Jesus did it. Otherwise, the flesh will run havoc. Just do what you feel like, brother. Fine. You're not a disciple. Jesus went about doing good. Oh, well, there's some good news coming. Praise God for that. Jesus went about doing good. See? Now Jesus has killed us off. and Now we have some resurrection life. Isn't that good? Now we've had the bad news. we are getting some good news. <laughs> Jesus went about doing good. Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God is with him. And Luke 6, 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, do it to God, pray for those who spitefully use you. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father is also merciful. So even when people do the dirty upon us, we are still called to do them good. When people curse us and say all manner of evil stuff about us, we still bless them and do them good. I live like that. I live like that. I have lots of hurts. You can't pastor a church and not go through hurts. Or all sorts of stuff been said about you. Some of you probably sitting here today have said some stuff about me, it's okay. I love you, I forgive you and I bless you. I'm going to do you good. That's the way it is. Because that's what Jesus did. He calls us to do people good. And you know what it does? It keeps our soul healthy. It keeps our soul healthy and prosperous. It allows God to bless me. (laughs) So we need to keep a guard up. And when people say and do bad things, we need to forgive them and bless them and do them good. And not start talking negatively about them. Just let God fix it. God will vindicate you. If you're right, God will vindicate you. Don't worry about it. Give it all in his hands. He'll sort it out. Jesus loved and restored the brokenhearted. Psalm 23, 1-3. The Lord Jesus is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And Psalm 147, 3 says this. He, Jesus heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds, curing their pains and their sorrows. Jesus is so good at healing the brokenhearted. He's so good at it. And he heals and restores our souls. Every few days I'm saying, God, just continue to heal and restore my soul. Continue to heal and restore my soul because I want a prosperous soul. You see, the issues of life flow out of our heart. We need to guard our souls, brothers and sisters, guard our souls. If you need to forgive, then forgive and get Jesus to heal and restore your soul, then guard your soul. Guard your heart. Out of the life flow the issues, out of the heart flow the issues of life. If your heart starts to turn sour, your whole life will start going sour. Guard your heart, it begins in your heart. And Jesus is good in healing our heart and healing our soul. Jesus healed the sick and set the captives free. Matthew 9.35 Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness, every sickness, and every disease, every disease among the people. Matthew 12.28 If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. How can you enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds, binds the strong man? Jesus went about, and that's what he did. We've got to do the same. Whenever we're confronted with sickness or the mnemonic, we should take action. Ask the question, what would Jesus do for us? Just check. Just check. But Jesus went about healing the sick and setting the captives free. You see, this shouldn't be any big deal for us. This, should just, this is just what we do. This is what I do because I'm a Christian. We should just be naturally supernatural or supernaturally natural, whatever way we want to look at it. it should, this is what we do. It's part of my job description. That's one of his disciples. That's just what I do because I'm a Christian. It's no big deal. I'm just a follower of Jesus. Therefore, I heal the sick and set the captives free. And number 13. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Luke 19.10, that's what it says. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Luke 15.4 says this. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I've found my sheep which was lost. I say to you, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance." We too must seek and save the lost. And that's why I'm just said disciples I've called us missionaries. Our mission is to advance the kingdom of God and seek and save the lost. And we need to be acting, asking Jesus on a daily basis, how do I seek and save the lost, Lord Jesus? Where do I go? Please show me. As I go about my daily business today, please give me opportunities to be a witness for you. Begin to pray about it, you know, with the local house of prayer. Begin to pray about some unbelievers. Serve some unbelievers you're praying about. And ask God to work in their hearts. But do something. Get active in the seeking and, and looking for the lost. We've got to do that. We're not just here for our own benefit. This town and this nation needs salvation. It needs to turn back to God. Imagine what would happen if every single person in this church just led one person to, to Christ between now and Christmas. Imagine what would happen. The church would double for the start, but that's not the issue. It's not to do with the numbers. It's more people being added to the kingdom of God and the family of God. That's the issue. Then there's more people to reach out to the lost. And that's what Jesus did. Came to seek and save the lost. And here's the challenge for you. This is how I'm going to finish. You'll be glad. What about following in the footsteps of Jesus today? Well, as I started off, Jesus is in the house. We've been in the River of God for a while. It, it's moving into the sea of mankind. There's nothing changed. We're just going to a deeper place in the river. Jesus is in the house. And that means... What I said earlier, if we will keep his words and obey his word, he will manifest and reveal his presence to us in our hearts, in our home, and in this church. And we want that. Because when Jesus is in the house, anything can happen. And people will be drawn to the presence of Jesus, and they'll be talking about the things that Jesus is doing in the house. The next challenge is this. For those who want to become disciples and missionaries, it means that on a daily basis, we're prepared to ask the question, what would Jesus do when we're confronted by people in situations? And we'll honestly, in our hearts, begin to look for opportunities and ways where we can reach the lost. That's the challenge for us. So Jesus in the house, walking in his footsteps and asking the question, what would Jesus do? See, Jesus wants to use our uniqueness, our personalities, our gifts, our abilities. He wants to use it to advance the kingdom of God and to make a difference in a town and in a nation. And as I said to you earlier, I said, Jesus, why are you in the house today? He said, I'm here to call disciples. And I said, he called me. Well, this is something different. I'm not making a call to the front this morning. But what God has put in our heart is this. That he wants a pilot group of people who will take what I've been sharing this morning seriously. Who will recognize that Jesus is calling us in a fresh way to become disciples and missionaries. And Alice and I are going to be up in the lounge after the meeting. And if you want to become part of that pilot group, please come and join us. You see, even if no one becomes part of that pilot group, Alice and I are still going to do this anyway. Or you get people like Johnny and Jenny that are already doing some of this stuff. They're welcome to join us as well. So you're either doing this stuff or you want to do it. We need to take Jesus seriously. And if there's only a few of us to make a start, then please join us in the lounge. We're just going to pray with one another. And between now and September over the next six months, I'm not sure where this is going to go. I don't know how it's going to work out. I haven't got a clue because I haven't walked this way before. But in my heart... And know, Alison's in the same place. We want to honestly try and follow Jesus and become his disciples in a new way and become his missionaries in a new way. So can I just pray? And then after the meeting, that's you, we'll be upstairs in the lounge. We'll give you a copy of the things about footsteps. The reason I'm making it up there, I don't want to make it easy for you. See, I can make a call to the front now. It's far too easy. I want to give you time to think about this. Because I only want those that are going to be genuine disciples. God's will. This is a pilot group. If there's two of us, 20 of us, 40 of us, I don't care. Because we're doing it anyway. Okay, can we stand please? Father, you've been challenging my heart this morning. And the last few weeks in this holy area with Jesus being in the house. And what it means to be a disciple and a follower of you. And uh, Lord, you know what's here today. I just lose your Holy Spirit in this place. And and Father, the things that you are saying, Lord, I've just read from your Word this morning. That's all I've done. What Jesus did in the Gospels. What he was like. And Lord, I want to follow you, Lord Jesus. I want to walk in your footsteps. I know Alison does as well. And uh, uh, and Lord, you just speak to hearts here today. You, You call those that you want to call to join us, to become this kind of pilot group kind of god's guinea pigs if you like lord just to, to make a start here over the next few months and see where this takes us because we recognize there's a town and a nation at stake so Father, let there be fresh grace upon us to do all these things you're calling us to do in jesus name amen god bless you